0: Hello, I'm Pastor Nathan from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota, and in this installment of Walking Our Way Through the Bible, we come to Genesis chapter 22. So let's read the chapter, and then we'll come back and reflect on it. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, Here I am. Then he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abram looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abram went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abram named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offering because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. Now, after these things, Abraham was told, Milcah also has borne sons to your brother Nahor. Uz his firstborn, his brother Booz, Kamuel, the father of Aram, Jased, Hazah, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel, fathered Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Reumah, also bore Taba, Gaham, Tahash, and Ma'aka. Genesis chapter 22 is one of the most difficult passages of Scripture, in my opinion, anyways because when we read it the thing that God asks Abraham to do is shocking right now it says in verse 1 that God was testing Abraham right that his goal was not really to have Abraham sacrifice his son but that he was trying to to prove something about Abraham and we're not told exactly what that is right but what we do see is that Abraham was shown that God will provide that even when he gets to the The very brink, right, when he gets to the point where it looks like there's no turning back, that there's no hope that God will provide. And that's how Abraham interpreted this event. In verse 14, we see that because, and Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. Now, we could dig forever into thinking, okay, what was Abraham thinking? What did he believe that God would do? What did he think was going to happen? And a lot of that would be speculation, and that's a useful thing to do. But we have to be careful when we do that because sometimes we're tempted to go beyond the text, right? To find an answer that's more appealing or makes it look easier. You know, I've read a lot of commentaries or heard a lot of people speak where they say, oh, God wasn't really testing Abraham, right? That he wasn't really asking him to do this, but it was kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing. Abraham knew that it wouldn't happen and all that stuff. But what Abraham learned from this is that, God remains faithful to his promises, because God had promised before that not only would Isaac be born, but he'd be father of a great nation, that he would inherit Abraham's household and all of his wealth, and that he would carry on his name and and, and increase and multiply. Well, obviously Isaac hasn't done that yet, right? So when God tested Abraham, he wasn't just testing to see if he would bring Isaac up to the mountain, but he was testing to see, Abraham, do you really believe the promises that I said? Do you really think that I would lie about those promises or bring you here just that it would all be for nothing? I do not envy Abraham's position. I would not want to be in this place. But it's encouraging to see that God stops Abraham. Right? That he tested him. He brought him through that trial. He ensured that Abraham's heart was more devoted to God than it was even to his own son. But again, I would not envy this position. Now, one of the things that we do is that we do see here is because in verse 16, the Lord says to Abram, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations on the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. And this is kind of a foreshadowing of Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the son of God. And while God stopped Abraham from actually offering up his own son, God did not hesitate from offering up Jesus. And Jesus did not hesitate from going to the slaughter. In verse 18, it says, And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring, because you have obeyed my command. Jesus is that offspring from Abraham. He is the Lamb that went to the slaughter willingly. He is the Son of God who was offered up for our sins, that was crucified brutally on a cross, rose again in victory, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so Abraham probably didn't know it back then, right? But as we read this passage, right, we can't help but see Jesus and be reminded that, well, Abraham was spared from having to offer up his son. God did not do the same for himself. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf to pay for our sins. And it's because of that, the brutality of that situation, the death of the creator at the hands of his creation, that our sins are forgiven, that the price has been paid, and that we can live in relationship with God. That's one of the best things about Genesis chapter 22 that we've heard the story of the crucifixion so many times that the shock and the awe and the horror of the event is lost on us. Despite the spiritual victory, right, and the the reality that Christ defeated the power of sin and death, we look to that first, but we don't sit in that human moment and, and mourn the death of Christ. But Genesis chapter 22 causes a lot of people to be shocked and amazed and think, how could this happen? Well, when we read this, we should think about Jesus and that same shock and that same horror that we feel when Abraham brings Isaac to the slaughter is the same thing that we should feel when we see Jesus being led up to the crucifixion. Now, in that horror, in the bloody brutality of the cross, is the greatest grace that has ever faced the earth, the greatest love that has ever been put on display. And if we can look at the crucifixion and recognize that that God worked through that, right? That by that bloody, horrible act, the whole all all people can be saved. We need to understand then that the same God who can work through that situation could be working in this situation. Genesis chapter twenty-two. Even if we don't understand all the stuff and all the motivations, God works in mysterious ways, and He always works for the good of those who love Him. He advances His glory and His kingdom. And we as citizens of his kingdom and members of his household benefit when the Lord is glorified. So I hope that this helped you as you seek to understand Genesis chapter 22 and the rest of the Bible. And I pray that in all things God's name would be glorified and his will will be done.